0: Well, good morning and welcome to Connection Church Online. I, I'm just so excited that, uh, just to just be able to, to have this time together uh, where we meet together still online. I'm so thankful for this technology that we have uh, just to be able to continue to meet together as a body even in the midst of some uh, interesting times. I think, I'm think i thankful that you guys have tuned in with us. Uh, if it's your first time joining us or if it's your fifth time or your sixth time joining us, but haven't filled out a digital connect card yet, I just wanna ask you to take a moment um, to do that. It literally takes 45 seconds to fill that thing out. Um, But what this does is it lets us know who is joining us? It lets us know um, how we can help you get plugged in. And um, we just want you to know that we value you and we value your attendance and um, that you, as a guest, we value and recognize that Jesus is moving in your life. And we want to know how we can better come alongside of you and help you and join you and um, walk, walk with you in that journey. And so, um, if you don't mind just filling that out, it takes 30, 45 seconds to fill out. And, and we would love to have a record of you visiting us online. Um, like Meredith just said, uh, next week is Mother's Day, man. We're excited about that. We love to celebrate our mothers. Uh, we love to, to just to, to just to to love on you. So make sure that you do that too and participate in that um, that drawing because it's going to be a cool thing, uh, guys. If you're if you're a, a husband or a, or a son or a daughter and your mom, you know your mom won't do that. Go ahead and I'll uh, fill that out for. Her. I just did that for my wife. She don't know it, so she might now. So, um, but anyway, so each week, this, this is what I know. As I'm reading scriptures, I meet with you guys online. As I meet with our staff, each week that goes by, even in the middle of all of our circumstances, all the current events that are happening right now, I get more and more fired up and excited about what God is doing around us, man. Like what He's trying to do in our hearts and the momentum that He is trying to create, that He is building in His church. There's so many. There are so many opportunities around us. And and what I've learned is I, as I pray and as I read, there aren't many opportunities. There are times in our life where God just shuts everything down around us. And in my prayer is that that you and I, that we are using this time wisely and not lazily or or selfishly. Because I believe that God wants to use this time to do something very special in your life and in the life of your family, but then also in your calling. Because I believe God is calling us. If you say, hey, I I follow Jesus, I believe that he has a plan for your life to be used for kingdom purposes. And I think this is a great opportunity to regain focus on what that is and where he's leading us. And so if I could give you any advice, is don't miss this. Don't miss what God is trying to do around you, and don't drown it out by your desires for normalcy or your prayers for normalcy. Let God teach you what he wants to teach you in this moment. Because the church, I'm going to tell you this, what I've learned is, what the church will never be the same. It can't be. I I believe these few few short months we've gone through are going to expose the consumerism in the church. I believe that, and I I pray that it's a time where God pulls people that are on the fringes who only follow Jesus at a distance and draws them in close. That's my heart. And, And I know that I say this a lot, and I've said this since we've started, but I really feel like God is moving us As a body, as Connection Church Savannah, moving us into some cool places of influence as a church in our communities around the world, and I'm excited about that. Man, our staff is pumped up about that. Our leadership is 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 getting fired up about what God is doing. And what I what I see is I see Him building a foundation, a family of faith that is centered around His mission and His people. And if you don't see that, if you don't sense that, you know that probably means that you need to get involved. And so I know right now we're you know we're a, a uh, just a virtual church, so to speak, but if you've been coming here, if you've been watching online for for more than a few weeks and haven't gotten plugged in or haven't filled out a digital connect card or maybe you've been coming here for a while before we went to this pandemic and have used to meet um in person well. Now is the time to to get plugged in, to fill out that digital connect card, to to reach out to to us to get you plugged into a connect group or or to get you serving when we get back into meeting together because we believe that the church is a family that we belong to and not an event that we attend, not a place to come sit and consume. And my hope is that you'd find a place here to call home and a place where you can get involved and plugged in. Because the point I'm trying to make is that it's very hard to come to this church and not get involved, and because our goal for every person who walks through these doors or who tunes in online is for those people to become active pursuers of Jesus, and that means taking your next step in your faith, and that's why our, our mission statement says that we can we are, we have a heart to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus, and so this morning what I want to show you is that that, that's done in steps, next steps. We're going to look at that a little bit this morning as we jump into week 20 of our witness series. Yeah, we're on week 20, believe it or not. Um, We're going through the book of Acts, looking at how God intended his church to function um, whenever it began. And what we've been looking at is the differences in the biblical model of the church and some of the inconsistencies that we see in the church today. The church Today, that I see one of, the, one of its biggest downfalls is that it bases its success on attendance and treated attendance as a, as a fulfillment of God's mission, when that's not biblical or healthy. Um, the mission of God is about God using ordinary people to carry out his mission on the earth by making disciples who make disciples. We looked at that the last two weeks. Attendance, however, is going to be a barometer. It's going to be a, a litmus test for the life change that's happening. So a healthy church will grow. But what I want you to see is that you know, if, if you're sitting on your couch in your living room or your house, someone else's house, wherever you may be, I want you to know that if you're saved, that means a good, a good indicator if you're saved is that you care about the souls of other people. We say it this way here, saved people serve people. We believe that if, you, if you're saved, that you are going to care about the soul of the people around you. And one of the ways that we can know that the gospel has done its work in us is when, we, is, is when we see kingdom, kingdom work advancing in other people, it gives us more joy and it gives us more motivation than anything we can achieve or own in this life. And so today as we dive into Acts 20, what we're going to focus in on is, is Paul's farewell speech um, to the elders in Ephesus. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 20. Um, we're going to be looking at that. And so what we're going to look, we're going to see is Paul looking back over his life and we're going to look at how he spent his life and how he spent his time on earth. And so I want to pray for us, and then we will jump in to what we're going to be talking about today. So, Father God, we love you. We're so thankful that we get to meet like this as a body. We're so thankful, Father, that you've given us your word to follow, God, and to obey. Lord, I pray that you would just use your word this morning to convict our hearts. God, that we would just be bold enough and brave enough to submit to where you're leading us. God, even if it doesn't make sense, I pray that we would take steps in the directions that you're leading this morning. God, I pray I pray against fear and homes this morning. I pray against anxiety and worry in homes this morning. God, I pray that you would come into those places this morning in people's hearts and show them that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And God, that you've said that you would be with us until the end. And so this morning, I pray that you would just bless the reading and the hearing of your word and Father, I pray for people's hearts to be fertile soil for it. So we love you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, before we get going, I, I want to just talk a little bit about our culture and about your life, about my life. And I think we can have some common, uh, some common ground and, and agree on that we all live in one of the fastest paced cultures in history. Everyone is busy. All the time, you ask somebody how they are. I'm busy. Uh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I got this. I got that. We're doing things at a faster pace than ever before because we have cell phones that are going faster than ever before. We have our jobs are moving faster than ever before because um, the the speed of technology is faster than it ever has been. People don't have time for close relationships. You know, our schedules don't really allow it. We have time for coffees and lunches and dinners from time to time, but it gets kind of hard to fit in our schedules because we're so busy, you know, we go through life so fast, trying to get through the next thing, barely able to enjoy the present in our life, or the present because we're rushing to the next moment, to the next moment, to the next day, to the next activity, to the next thing on our schedule to mark off. The days begin to run together, months fly by, and years take off like seconds as we get older, right? And sadly, even Christians are nearsighted when it comes to eternity and have lost the sense of the responsibility of the moment that we live in. Christian, hear this: like your life in Christ wasn't meant to be lived as a safe, it wasn't meant to be lived as safe as safe as possible to save some money for retirement and then die. Your life was meant to be lived for God and for others. But what we've done is we've taken our own desires and molded our life around our own desires and then put a Jesus candy coating around it to make it look like we're, we're following Jesus and all we're doing, but in reality, we're just following our own desires of selfishness and that we're following the lust of our flesh and the, and the desires of, of our flesh. And what happens, guys, in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the hope of the gospel empowering your life. You know, when you lay down on your deathbed, when you leave this world behind, when you look at your children in the eyes on your last day, what do you want them to have known you by? What do you want them to remember you by? My dad or my mom was always at work; they were always gone. They were—they made a lot of money, but we didn't have a relationship. My dad or mom loved me relentlessly. I was—I was—I was, I was, I was the—the—I I was the joy of their life, and they pointed me to Jesus. My mom and dad followed Jesus. To a T. They loved the Lord and they obeyed Him. Our lives were scary and, and we didn't know where we were going to be here at this time or this time, but we followed Jesus and He always took care of us. How do you want to be remembered? And that's the question this morning. If you have a pen or a piece of paper, write this down um, How will I be remembered? And so that's the question I want us to kind of start with this morning. I, and I, I want to build everything else around that. How will I be remembered? If you look at any leadership book on, on mission or vision um, with, a, with an organization, whether it's a church or a big company, it always advises you to develop and find the vision first, to get familiar with it, to see it, to know it, and then work backwards. And I think it's always good to think about your life from that in perspective as well and start living your life in light of what you want to be remembered for. Kind of reverse engineering your life in a way that, like Moses talks about it in Psalms 90. He says in in Psalms 90 verse 12, he says, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And so what Moses is saying is, as I'm numbering my days, I'm going to begin to live wisely. Martin Luther translated this verse into German this way. He says, Lord, teach us to think about death so that we might learn to how to live. And so what he's saying is, until I come to grips that one day I'm not going to be here anymore, then my life up to that point matters. I'm not going to know how to live wisely or in light of eternity or in light of Christ being my Lord. And so my other question for you today is, do you live intentionally? Or are you going through the motions, trying to keep up, trying to keep your head above water? Or do you waste, thing, waste time on things that don't really matter in the end? And so while I was preparing this message this week, I looked at how, how much time Americans spend on everyday activities, everyday activities, how Americans spend. And so what I, what I found is this, and so don't get mad at me. This is just what I found on Google. So um, at, on average, um, women spend 136 days of their life getting ready to go somewhere. Think about that for a second. Men spend about 50, so that's, that's about right. Um, sorry, I'm just playing. Um, One year, um, it takes one year deciding to what to wear. One year of your life is spent deciding on what you should wear to different things. You spend three years washing clothes. Some of you people are like, yes, I do. Um, 26 years is spent sleeping. I'm like, man, 26 years of my life, I'm sleeping? Okay, it's crazy. Watching TV. Americans, you spend 11 years of your life watching TV. 11 years. We spend four and a half years eating. I'm more probably five and a half. Um, we spend five years browsing the internet, the internet. We five years browsing the internet. And this is what this is what got me and kind of disturbed me a little bit. You have a cell phone in your house, you may be watching this on your cell phone. You check your cell phone on average 150 times a day. If you take that and divide it into the, no, the minutes in the day, that's every six and a half minutes. Every six and a half minutes you're looking at your phone, scrolling through Facebook, texting, or talking on the phone. The enemy is trying to put a death hold, a death grip on your life through the things that, that you do. And so how do you want to be remembered? How do we want to be remembered? What is going to define your life when it's over? Because here's what I know. 10 out of 10 people watching this is going to die. Maybe not today, maybe next year, maybe 20 years, maybe 50 years from now. But we, our days are numbered. That's what Psalms 90 is talking about. Our days are numbered. And here's something else I know. As I've I've been thinking, as I've been raising twins for the last almost two years now, what I've learned is your life and my life is not lived in years. You're like, what? Wait a minute. Yes, they are. Our lives are not lived in years. The summation of your life are going to be counted by your moments. Does that make sense? So it's easy to look back over the wild expanse of your past and be able to see the big picture of, of, your, of your life in the past and be able to know who you are and where God's brought you from. And it's even easier for God to look over the expanse of your future and see the days ahead and know where you're going and where you're going to be. But we are limited to moments in how we live. I'm living in this moment right now. I can't tell you what's going to happen in three hours from now. All I can tell you is the plans that I have here, Proverbs 16, 9. You can go read that. It tells you what this is. And so God doesn't make our paths clear all the time. And sometimes that's frustrating, right? I don't know what's going to happen next year, the year after that. And it frustrates me because I'm a control freak. And I'm sure some of you may fall into that same category. But, uh, but, but what, I, what I learned over, over time is that God doesn't allow, uh, he doesn't allow us to see our paths clearly because he values our transformation more than our having all the information. He wants us to be transformed more than he wants me to be informed, and so what are you going to do? What are you going to spend your remaining moments on in your life? Well, whose kingdom are are, are they going to be spent on? Because there's only two options. There's only two options on the kingdom um, spectrum here. You're either going to spend your moments um, building God's kingdom or you're going to spend your moments building your kingdom. And there's not a lot of gray area, but we try to do that in our culture a lot. We try to live in that gray area. Well, I'm building God's, but I'm also trying to do this. And I'm tra- we're, we're, There's no submission, but I'm trying to love God because I want to go to heaven and all this stuff. And this is what our culture has called us to do is to, is to live for the Lord. But in just a moment, we're going to read in Acts 20. Um, and we're going to focus in on verses 18 to 38. But I want to talk about four things that I believe Paul wanted to, wanted to be remembered by. Four things that he really wanted to, for people to remember about him, but also four things that he wanted to categorize his life in and the way that he lived to encourage others and to bring God glory. And so in Acts 20, what, what's happening is Paul gives a farewell speech to a group of Ephesian elders. Last week, we talked about Paul going in and starting the Ephesus church. And what's going to happen is he's he's going to Rome, and he's he he knows that the Holy Spirit has told him that that chains and persecution are ahead of him. And if you if you fast forward, he's going to end up going to be beheaded there, and he's going to and he's going to um, die there. And so what he's doing in this moment is he's he's passing by Ephesus, and and he's and he's in the the city of Malta, and he he wants the Ephesian elders to come to Malta to have a to have a meeting, to, to give a farewell speech to them because he wants to go to Jerusalem to be able to go to the festival of Pentecost before he goes to Rome. And so, what this is happening is there, there's gonna be four things here I wanna pull out of the scripture that we're about to read that I won't set about my life, too. When my kids look at my life, whenever I'm old and gray, whenever I'm on my death, and I want them to be able to say, this was my father. This was my dad. This was what he lived his life on. He didn't live in a constant state of fog. He lived very directionally for the kingdom of God. And basically, this is an outline for my funeral sermon, I hope, that, that I want to strive to live for as I, as I go through life. And so let's go through Scripture. Let's read through verses 18 through 38. Um, I know if you've read this this week, verse verse seven through um, seven or sixteen is, is a great uh, is is awesome. It's talking about Eutychus who who fell asleep while Paul was preaching all through the night. It says Paul was preaching all through the night, and Eutychus fell asleep in a in a window and he fell down onto the ground, and he died. And Paul came and laid himself on top of him, and brought him back to life. And so anybody that has a problem with the length of our sermons, like I need you to stop complaining, because I'm not going all night, right? So that's good. So I'm just I'm, that's, that was a joke. So we're gonna look at verse eight. 18, and we'll go all the way to 38, and we're going to just break this down into the four things that I was just sharing with you a second ago. So follow along. I hope you have your Bibles. Um, so I pray that you would open them to verse 18, and let's read this together. It says, "When they came to him, he said to them, and this is talking about the, the elders in Ephesus." "'You know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus.' And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem compelled by the spirit not knowing what I will encounter there except that in every town the holy spirit warns me that change and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of God's grace. Circle underline highlight verse 24 because that needs to be our life first. It needs to be something that we memorize and live by. Verse twenty-five. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not dec- I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. But be on guard for yourselves and the shep- and shepherd the church of God, which is He purchased with His own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and and distort the truth to lure disciples into following them. Therefore, be on on alert, remembering that night and day for three years I never stopped warning each of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word uh, word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I work with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. I'm laboring for the weak, and I'm remembering Jesus. That's what he's saying. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again, and and they accompanied him to his ship. And so the very first thing I see is in verse 24. Paul says, my purpose has been finished. My purpose has been to finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus. So what I see the first thing that Paul wants to be remembered by in his final statement says, I've been faithful to my assignment. But he's saying, I did what Jesus told me to do. I've been obedient to everything Jesus laid out before me. And at the end of the day guys that is all that any of us any of us are really responsible for so my question today for you is what has Jesus called you to do you're not, you're not responsible to save the world. You're, you're responsible to fulfill the assignments that Jesus has given to you. There's two ways, though, I feel like that people really go wrong with this, though. Some people feel like the entire world is on their shoulders. They have a responsibility to save the whole world, to fix their friends, to make sure that their kids turn out right, to save the poor and the orphan. So they carry this weight of all these things on their shoulders, and no matter what they do, it's never enough. They, they, they pack their schedule full of things to do whenever that's not what God may have called them to do. And they're always worried and full of anxiety, wondering if they're doing the right thing or in the right place. Well, then the other person, the other, the other way that people get this wrong is they never acknowledge that they've been given the responsibility to follow Jesus and do what he said. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 4.2. He says, it's required of stewards that they be found what? Faithful. It's required of stewards that they be found faithful. Listen, a steward is a servant. A servant is not in charge of anything. The master is in charge. The steward is responsible to do what the master tells him to do. That's it. Think of it in the terms of, of the banking world or a money manager or an investment banker. If I give a broker my money to invest into a certain company and the company goes bankrupt, he doesn't take the blame. If he succeeds, he doesn't get the credit. He just does what I tell him to He does what I tell him to do. Success and failure are not up to us. Our job and our course of action is always faithfulness. Faithfulness is our concern. What God requires of each of us as followers of Jesus is faithfulness. Paul said that he was faithful in what God had called him to do. So to, to those of you who tend to, to carry around the weight that isn't yours, take comfort that God requires faithfulness, not results. God, God can do more with one act of faithfulness than you can accomplish in 10,000 lifetimes on your own. A good example of this is Philip in Acts 8. The, the angel of the Lord came to Philip and said, Go to the desert road. So Philip has no idea what he's doing. He's just faithful to his calling. Goes there. He goes and finds the eunuch and he goes to find this. And this guy gets saved as after he's reading the word. Philip goes and starts where he's at, shares the gospel with him, and the guy goes back to Ethiopia and then starts the church planning network. That there's there's still remnants of that there today. And so Philip's faithfulness was the igniter that led to the church in Ethiopia. So my question is, what drives your future plans? What drives your decision-making? Is it the mission of God? Is it, is it, is it your desire to be faithful to your Lord? Or is it something else? Listen, after reading Acts um, 1 through 20 to this point, the one filter that should help in your decision-making should be where does the, what does the Lord want? Where does the Lord want me to go? What does the Lord want me to do? It should not be, the, uh, I, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure. There's, there's, when you have a Lord, there's no, I'll think about it or I'll pray about it. There is a yes, yes, Lord. And that's, that's the end of it. Listen, for a Christ follower, success in life is identifying what God has called you to do and being completely faithful to that. That's what Paul is saying here. Listen, for, when you think about someone in your life who had a huge impact on you, think about that person. Somebody in your life that had a huge impact on your life spiritually. Someone who followed the Lord, someone who poured into your life. There, there's usually nothing extraordinary about them, right? There's, no, there's nothing extraordinary about them other than the presence of the Holy Spirit that, that, you're, that you're seeing that creates that, that just that illuminated personality in them. And they, they simply, what they're doing, they've simply leveraged their lives for the mission of God. And what God has done is God has compounded the faithful moments of their life and did more with it than they could have done on their own. Listen, the man who, the man who discipled me discipled hundreds of people. And nothing. there was nothing special about him. He was just faithful. Um, when he died a few years back, what, what do you think he heard when he walked into heaven? He had done what God had told him to to the day that he died. And I'm sure on the moment that he entered heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. Think about what you think about what it'll be like to, to look into Jesus' face and hear that. The Alpha and the Omega, the one who loved you and pursued you and died for you. To hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. That. Is the heart that we are called to live by as followers of Jesus. Do your moments, does your life point to you being a faithful steward? The decisions you make, the money that you spend, the time that you spend, is it pointing to being a faithful steward of your Lord Jesus? The second thing I see... Paul's saying in verse 20, he says, you know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. And then down in verse 27, he repeats it in a different way. He says, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Twice he says that I didn't avoid it. I didn't shrink back. What Listen, What Paul, Paul knew he wasn't responsible for the content of the message. The message was clear. The message had been given to him. He was not responsible for whether people liked it or not. He was only responsible to deliver it, to give it. J.I. Packer he, he he describes Paul this way. He says Paul, in his own estimation, was not a philosopher, not a moralist, not the world's wisest man, but simply Christ's herald. Paul's royal master, Jesus, had given him a message to proclaim. Paul's entire business, his whole business, therefore, was to deliver that message with exact faithfulness. He added nothing, altered nothing, omitted nothing. And that, guys, that, this is why Paul said in verse 26, he said in verse 26, therefore I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. And the reason why so-called Christians today don't share the gospel is one, they don't believe the gospel or, either they, be, they, be, or, they, or they don't really care about people. And so what I want to share with you today is like the reason why so-called Christians today don't share their faith is because Jesus has been presented to them as a friend and not their Lord. In Ezekiel 33, God admonishes people. And what he does is his people, they, they knew the truth. The Israelites, they knew the truth, but they didn't share it. With other people. They didn't share it with the people that were perishing. And what he tells them, there's a little quote it says, God says, I will hold you accountable for their blood. And that should terrify us as believers. If we care for people, remember I said earlier, saved people care for the souls of other people. The gospel is, is that, and this is the gospel, is the gospel is that the, the, because of my sin and because of your sin, because of the sin of the human race, uh, we stand under the judgment of God. We are dead in our sins, absolutely helpless, and there's nothing that we can do about that. But because God loved us, just because he loved us, He gave us his son, Jesus, who died and did for us what we can never do for ourselves by living the life that we couldn't live. And if we humble ourselves and we admit that we are rebels deserving of judgment and we receive his grace by making him the Lord and the Savior of our life, we'll be saved is what Scripture says. Romans 10 talks about this. Listen, I am not responsible for how you respond to that message. I am not responsible for how the person that I share the gospel with outside of these walls responds to that message. You are not responsible for how your children, for how your family, for how your coworkers or or friends respond to that message. I'm responsible, I'm just responsible for making sure that you understand it. And you're responsible for making sure other people understand it so that they can respond I'm not responsible for you to like this message. You're not responsible for your family, friends, and coworkers to like this message. Only for making it plain and only for making it clear. I have to make the path clear. Telling people that they are dead in their sin, deprived, worthy of judgment, and that Jesus is our only hope and our only hope is in the grace of God may not make me popular, but I have to make it clear, and it does make me faithful. So, my question is Have you been clear with your friends and your family about the gospel? Remember, this doesn't mean that all of them have believed it or that you talk about this all the time. That's, all you, that's not what this means. Paul said, I did not avoid declaring the whole plan of God. It means his life was, was lived and his words were, were giving the gospel to people as he went. He, he hadn't persuaded all these people, but he'd been clear and he had persuaded some and some had been converted. And so that's the question. Have you been clear about the gospel with the people in your life? But notice, man, this goes against our culture as a church. Notice what characterized Paul's attitudes. It was tears, not anger. It was tears, not frustration. Verse 19 and verse 31 says, with tears, with tears, with tears, with tears. tears." For many of us, our, our attitude towards friends and family who don't know Jesus, who don't follow Jesus, Switches between apathy and anger. Does your presentation of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, flow with tears? Does it flow with tears? I just need you to understand this message. Charles Spurgeon once said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, begging them to stay and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for and and, and wept over. Shouldn't this be true of our communities? Shouldn't this be true of how we preach the gospel to our families, to our friends, to the people that we serve? God help us if someone in our family goes unwarned or unprayed for. Have we ever wept over lost friends or family? Do they know that? Have we shared, I've wept over your, the, 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 the status of your eternity. I've wept over your heart, over your soul. Guys, do we weep over nations that are lost and without the gospel? Do we weep? that there are still people in this world that don't know Jesus and they may die without him? Do we weep over those people? Are we so self-consumed that we're so nearsighted and blind that we don't think about other people outside of our church, outside of our gospel? But God has called us to take the gospel to our communities, to our families, to the nations. And that should create in us a, 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 a longing for people's salvation. Saved people care about the souls of lost people. The third thing I see In verse 19, he says, You know that on the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. Down in verse 24, you see, my life is worth nothing to me. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry that Jesus gave to me, to testify the gospel of God's grace. And listen, Paul is saying, I serve the Lord with all humility and tears. So the third thing I see Paul is saying, I directed people's attention towards Jesus, not towards me. I pointed people to Christ, not towards me. And so Paul wasn't interested in in leaving an example to admire. I want people to remember me by and and see me. I want people to see me. He wanted people to know that there was a Savior that they could trust in. We weren't saved by pulling ourselves together and doing better. We were saved by admitting that we were sinners and calling on the one that we know that could save us. Listen, I want people's attention to be on Jesus, not on me. So instead of putting up a false image to people about how great I am, which I'm not, why not help me? Why not help each other? Why not help the church and get people on the outside of these walls of this building and the outside of these walls of your house and your neighborhood, your, your families who, who may not know Jesus, why not help them see how weak that we are and how awesome that Jesus is? How do I, how, why not help them see that we had nothing to do with our salvation? Why not, why not take off the mask of self-righteousness and put on the mask of humility and point to Jesus and say, he is the great I am. He is the one that saved me. He is the one that brought me from death to life, and he is the one that's going to sustain me to the end. And I think the tears and the trials that Paul was talking about here is how God ensures that we live this way. Because if I'm living my life for Jesus, the Bible says that I will face persecution, that I will face trials, that I will, play, I will face affliction. And so look at God humbling Paul every step of the way so that Jesus can be glorified. And I think about how, how much different today's religious leaders are presented than this. Like Today, we, we say great religious leaders are people of power and, and triumph and positivity and happiness. And we see these prosperity gospel preachers all over the place. And we see these people that the ministry is about one person. My question is this, is, is it possible that the, that the ones that God sees as great leaders and the ones that we see as great leaders are different? Let's be people that make much of Jesus and not about ourselves. The last thing as we close, the thing Paul said in verse 24, and I pray that you would memorize this verse this week or underline if you haven't already done it. um, Just do whatever you can do. Write it down somewhere. Put it on your mirror in your car. Paul said, I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of God's grace. After the Holy Spirit had warned Paul about afflictions and chains, I'm sure there was fear in Paul that he had to surrender to God, that he had to surrender to God's grace to provide him just the endurance and provide him the encouragement that he needed. And let me tell you this. I've seen this multiple times in the church, in my life, um, in my personal life, in my friends' lives. Many people start their faith well, but some may quit and some may not finish. Some don't finish. And as I look at Paul's life, I see three things that often that keep people from finishing strong. The first thing is pain. Like people that you're ministering to or sharing the gospel with or trying to love on or trying to encourage, they might not appreciate it. They might take you for granted. They might overlook you. They might walk all over you. They might take advantage of you. But God is not rewarding you with success. That's not what God does. It's it's easy to quit. Paul experienced that. He had been taken advantage of, forgotten about, beaten, betrayed, ripped off. We go to God, and God sustains us. God's grace gives us the energy and the endurance that we need. The second thing, I see fatigue, the sense that none of this is working. I serve every week. Nobody else wants to join and serve. And I, I try to talk to people. Nobody wants to come. I try to disciple somebody, but the guy never shows up. The guy wants to, wants to get involved in, the, uh, I don't know, video games or his drinking or his drugs. Or he wants to get involved with his new girlfriend or, or her new boyfriend. I, I can't get people to listen to what I'm saying. And Paul was like, he was just like this. His sermons ended with people either coming to Christ, and sometimes they end with people trying to stone him. And so my heart is... As you're serving Jesus, go to him for the energy and the fulfillment and the grace that you need to be sustained because he is the only sustainer in your life that will help you finish to the end. But in both of these things, what did Paul do? He kept going. Why did Paul keep going? Because Paul understood how the gospel worked. You can see this in Acts 20. Jesus' ministry had ended in death. Paul knew that. Paul knew that was an option. Paul knew that was a possibility that his ministry might end in death. But what happened with Jesus? God provided resurrection. So what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? He says, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because our faith, excuse me, our labor is not in vain. Our labor is not in vain. You weren't meant for this world if you're a Christian. If you're in Christ, you have an eternal home in glory beside Jesus, next to Him, worshiping Him, loving Him, um, just adoring Him, living in the presence of Jesus. So that's where our eyes need to look to whenever things don't look like things are working. The God who brought resurrection out of Jesus' work will bring resurrection out of ours. But finally, this is the last thing. Here's the main reason people have trouble finishing they have divided hearts. Like We want to complete the assignment that Jesus gave to us, but other things have been pulling in our heart. I want to follow Jesus, but I, I love comfort. I-, I like my house, and I like my community. I don't necessarily want to go on that mission trip. I don't want to move overseas and become a missionary. We may say, I want to follow Jesus, but I, I-, I want to live here, and I want to own these things. I want to have a nice house. Or we may say, I want to follow Jesus, but I really want people's approval. Guys, divided hearts keep us from finishing. Psalms 86, 11 says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear you. <clears throat> Paul said, nothing's going to move me. I just want to finish well and hear well done. Paul says, I don't need approval. If God's for me, who can be against me? I don't need money. My God has promised to supply every need in Christ Jesus. I don't need to give myself over to pleasure because in his presence is the fullness of joy and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And Paul didn't want to just start well, he wanted to finish well. And I feel like this is the biggest thing that I can teach my kids as a father and and, and to preach to myself, finish well. Men, I wanna speak to you for a second. Lead your families well. Lead yourself well. Stop looking at your career as a job and use it to bless other people and spread the gospel. Families, live on mission. Live on purpose. Finish well. When you get onto your deathbed and you look at your children and you look at the legacy that you lived throughout the rest of your life, are you going to be able to say that you finished well, that you lived well? Guys, look at your next step and be bold and faithful to do it. Guys, God will give you strength to take your next step. God will give you the faith and the faithfulness in your life to do the things that he's called you to do. You're just called to be faithful and take it. God will provide the security that you need. So the four things you want to be remembered by in your life, I was, a fa- I was faithful to my assignment. I used my time to share the gospel. I directed people's attention to Jesus not to myself. I finished strong. Psalms 90, we said earlier, Jesus said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to learn wisdom. This morning, I don't know where you're at, I'm not even sure if you're a Christian. I'm not sure who's listening or who's watching this. But my hope is for you that you would understand that, Christian, if you are listening to this this morning and you have been living your life not on mission, if you've been living your life for your own benefit and your own glory, my, my hope would be that you would get on your knees with your family right now and lead them in prayer. Asking God to forgive you. Asking God to, to show you your next step and give you the faith and the courage to take it. And then also, look, looking to your church family to walk alongside of you. Person that doesn't know Jesus. You may, you may be a cultural Christian. You're understanding this morning that, hey, the faith that I put in Jesus might not have been in, in the Jesus of the Bible. It may have been in a Jesus that, that was going to give me the things that I wanted in my heart. And the faith in Jesus that, I, that I'm hearing about today shows me that my life may not be secure apart from him. And so today, if you know that you don't know Jesus and you know that today is the day of salvation, the Bible says that, 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 that Jesus came and died a death that was meant for you. He lived a life that was meant for you to live that we couldn't do on our own, but God in his love sent his son to die in our place because of our sin. Because, our, because of our sin, we stand before God in, in holy judgment. It means he is perfect in his judgment. We don't have a, a say in the matter. He is God, he is Lord over all things. And because of our sin, we need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. And I say boldly today that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Apart from Christ, there is no getting to God. There is no getting out of that judgment. And this morning, if you know that you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I pray that this morning that you would just type in the comments down below and say, Hey, today I am trusting Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And we want to pray with you, and we want to walk with you, and we want to help you take those next steps. So if that's you today, I pray that you would be bold and take those next steps because that might be the first step you need to take in leading your family as you become saved and, and, and get your family saved and get them living for Jesus and getting plugged into a church because all this stuff is about to go away. We're about to start meeting again one day soon, and I pray that one day I can meet you and, and hug you and shake your hand and say, I, I'm just so thankful. I'm proud of you for entering into a relationship with Jesus because that's the best decision that you can ever make. Because Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. You haven't gone too far. You haven't lost his love. You haven't lost his faithfulness. He is here for you today. He's there for you in your living room. All you have to do is ask him to come into your life. And all you have to do is repent of your sins and to walk into a relationship with him, into new life with him. And so let's pray as we go. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for the the offer of new life that it it can only be found in you, Father. Lord, I pray this morning that that the Holy Spirit would just open the ears and the hearts of the people that are listening today, Father. The person that, that knows they are without hope, without you, Lord. I pray that you'll begin to draw their hearts to you, Lord. Open their ears, open their hearts. God, don't let people click the X on that screen today without making a decision for you if that's your if that's if that's what your will is today. Lord, I pray that you would just give them courage today. Father, for the Christian, listen, God, I pray that they would they would step up in their relationship with you. They would begin to finish. They would begin to finish well, finish this life well. God, that they be faithful in making disciples, faithful in praying for the lost, faithful in serving the church, faithful in loving their brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you would just ignite a fire in our guts and in our hearts to love you and live for you, God, that we would put away the, the things of our culture, the things that are, the culture says the church should be, the cultural Christianity, God, that we would put it to bed. We would kill it, Lord, today in Jesus' name, and we would begin to live our lives like we see in Acts by faith in you. By faith in you, God, we would help build your kingdom here on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And we would do that, Father, in submission and in faithfulness to you, God. Lord, change our hearts from asking the question of what, what is God, what, what, what's God's will for my life and where, do I, where am I supposed to be? And let's change that to what does my Lord want me to do today in this moment? How can I be faithful? God, because we know that faithful moments turn into faithful years. God, we love you. God, I pray for the person this morning that's hurting and lost and broken. I pray that you would would just um, put their heart back together, Father, and meet them where they're at. God, I pray for the family that's that's just stagnant and and their faith is struggling during this time. I pray that you would just give them encouragement. Lord, build us up as a church. Make us like you. Put us on mission. God, use us. Unite us. Mature us. Lord, we love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll be back here next week at 1030 to celebrate Mother's Day. Um, don't forget to fill out the Connect card. Don't forget to check, it, check out our Giving tab. And also don't forget to, to check out the uh, the Mother's Day um, form to, to enter your mom or, or mom, if you're watching, to um, to fill out a card for, for yourself on there to be able to enter yourself into a drawing for some pretty cool prizes. So we love you. We're thankful for you. And uh, we'll see you next week.